0: Thirsty hands presents. Scrooge Case number 911. The United Circus Records, given to Mr. Geoffrey Halefern. Originally dated 1944. Submitted to the Institute June 2017. Recorded by Elroy Patel, Researcher of the Mind, University of London. Recording begins. I do not know how I got here. I do not quite remember much of what I do or did in the past three years after completing school. But somehow I remember everything related to the circus, as clear as day. You see, see, Jeff, after father left us and Mum got sicker by the day, I couldn't just sit there and let you do all the hard work. I know it makes you sad to see your younger brother work odd jobs part-time, but I kept studying in the University of Codwell still. Even though I thought you were wasting the hard-earned money on me, I knew how deep-driven the rationalistic ideas were in our heads. And I knew you were just following what father would have wanted. So, after all this, I was quite disappointed that I couldn't get a job in the psychiatric hospital of Vermont. And I continued my part-time shifts. Do you remember the old coffee shop father used to take us to? where he would go to smoke his cigars for a bit and we waited for our pastries and milkshakes. That old roundabout. That's where I spent most of my days alone. Jeff, I know you wondered where I went. How you worried, sick that I was probably with the wrong sort of group. I should have told you when you asked, but a selfish part of me couldn't help but want to keep that as a corner for me and only me. Somehow it made me feel closer to father and it it seemed he was closer to me there and some days I couldn't help but weep. So when I saw a small flyer for recruitment in the chase circus scene I couldn't help but think of it as a sign from him that when I saw they recruited a funds manager, it did nothing but confirm that belief. So I went there. I borrowed a ferry to Orville County as soon as I could. And even through all this, I was still aware that I may not get this job. But when I went there, the majesty of the tent had me in awe. And at that time, I saw nothing odd about it. When I look back, I still question how I could ever go inside so boldly, without a care in the world. Anyways, when I went inside and pushed the curtains aside, I was surprised to see a man in a purple overcoat just standing there, as if to greet me, as if he knew I was coming, as if he was waiting. He smiled all along this. Even when I asked him about the flyer he gave, A sort of chuckle as if he told me how a man like me ended up here. He didn't seem to be interested in my answer. It seemed as if he was just... talking to himself. Setting up a show for me. I wish I had known that it would be a terrifying scene. He told me I was hired and I didn't question it. And told me to start working from tomorrow. This was in the May of 1943, brother, when you started the extensive Woodstock work and began to stay out late. We had stopped seeing much of each other and were starting to grow distant for the first time in 25 years of existence we saw together. It was turmoil and I don't blame you for it, but I think I understand how I was looking for something to latch on to, how I wouldn't see the obvious red flags of the circus in front of me. Every day was a different scene inside the tent, where various acts that played inside had one and only one purpose, to show how grand Chase was. I discovered that Chase, the ringmaster as we call it, was also the owner of this branch of circus, and no one seemed to question it, and no matter how much I tried to ask about it, I always got looks. So, I decided to shut up and do my job. It was simple, really, my job. It was math, and I loved it. Not the job, but the subject itself. Because at this point, after only a few weeks, I had started to feel uncomfortable inside the tent or anywhere near the main stage. Every night, the tent changed and I could hear sounds of twigs turning and something crunching. Although, at that time, I couldn't for the life of me figure out what it was. I never investigated it, honestly. I never got the chance to. Every time I'd ask any sort of questions, I would get a resounding silence from everyone. Everyone. The acrobats, the jugglers, the music players. Everyone seemed to be... The only way I can explain it, as is expressionless and I just left it at that (laughs) it was in the late winters of 1944 when the toll house near the Mount Mansfield was to be refurbished and when the circus started getting a lot of patrons that is when I saw the back gates to the circus stage ajar this was my third night shift and I don't quite remember whether it used to be guarded or populated, but when I saw it, I certainly didn't think it would be so utterly silent. But I went in still and I expected to be stopped or asked or just see someone, anyone, but it never happened. I continued still, Jeff, and what I saw, I still cannot quite explain. Inside, there were cages and cages which I thought were at first empty. But when I looked closer, pressed my eyes into the patchwork of steel, I noticed blobs. I almost reached when I saw a slight twinkle of a pair of eyes as I didn't expect to see anything. But as I calmed down a bit and my eyes adjusted to the dim blue moonlight that made its way inside, I saw that it was just it, (sighs) an emotionless, and motionless bag of meat. The only reason I knew it was living was from the soft breathing sounds it made, so horribly contorted that I couldn't even understand whether it was a human or something else. And all it seems to do is stare, stare sharply at and right through me. I don't know why but I kept going still and all around were cages, dozens and dozens of them all contorted with, with their bends and, and mouths in odd places yet still unmoving, unflattering but that stare, I felt shudders down my spine <laughs> but I kept going. I don't know what I expected to find, but among the thick cobwebs about the light bulbs, I thought of as lampshades, and the blobs of unassuming meat inside the cages, the silence, the cold in the air. I knew there was something deeper, and I needed to know. I walked slowly, but deliberately as I reached near the main stage area I could see Chase and he looked enigmatic just the same but different through the cheers I don't know how I heard it but it was clear to my ears there it was that twisting sound again and and suddenly it connected I do not know what it was whether the cages I had just seen, the idea of twisted joints and bones fresh in my mind or just my love for stories. But at that instant, I looked up. Up to the contortionists. To the sounds. The sounds of bone cracking and twisting. Expressionless? No. They felt it. I could see the pain in their faces, but it felt as if something prevented them from making any sound. From the crevices of their contorted smiles, I realized how painted it looked, how their eyes told a different story altogether, as if something controlled and gripped them. The contortionists felt their bones snap, their bones jar, and... Break. Th- their limbs twisted in the air to the delighted gasps of the people below, where the distorted cries fueled the laughter of the money payers. But upon the stage, to the observers I saw, they looked almost oblivious to all that pain. Their body was no longer their own. then I saw Chase right there, at the center, near the backdrop from where I appeared. How his face looked that of pure joy, how he seemed to be oddly euphoric. And then I noticed his hands and the booty twisted in them. And suddenly the word ringmaster took a sinister turn, and the world, started spinning around me the laughter the the, the act the tightrope the purple coat it all swirled and I, I started sweating and at that time right at that instant he spoke to me while contorting the putty in his hands he said would you like to play son And I swear, before he could turn to me and look at me with that stare, I I ran. I ran from there as fast as I could. I didn't see where I was going. I didn't care whether someone came after me or was waiting for me. I just ran. I wanted out. It was only when I reached the roundabout that I stopped, that I took a breath. And noticed the cries. The cries of the people from the directions of the circus. You see, Jeff, I accidentally dropped the lamp that stood outside as I ran out. And in my days, I couldn't think anymore. I don't need to tell you about the fire, I suppose. But after that, I could never come back, neither to the town or to anything remotely reminding me of a circus. I wanted to tell you I was fine, that I was in Lancashire and doing well. I knew I couldn't say anything to you without explaining why I left, why I don't seem to reply to Millie's mail, why I didn't visit for mother's funeral. But but you see, Jeff, I have been marked. Marked by something that has got its hold on me. And I'm afraid it's waiting for me back there. And every corner that relates to it somehow. I'm afraid that this will be my only correspondence to you. Just know that I'm doing well, brother. Love, Sean. Recording ends. Although a case primarily again from the states, it was fairly easy to follow through as the circus fire of 1944 seems to be fairly well documented. I could find several records of there being the tent of the traveling circus registered by the name Chastity and Love Incorporated, but I couldn't find any records of a Mr. Chase or any of the contorted tales that he talked about in his letter. Due to our lack of connection that far out, we couldn't follow up with Mr. Halefern, nor could we secure the travel records of Sean Halefern. It almost seems like he disappeared from the public records of Lancashire after 1944. What is curious is that I found a few newspaper articles that talked about apparent barrels of animal fat, That were found among the charred remains of the tent what is uncertain is whether this was animal fat or uh, human fat but no conclusive studies could be conducted at that time of the incident it doesn't escape me that this happened in the same orville county from the case number 573 and neither does the fact that This could all be conjecture. The last record of Sean Hillfern I could find was an entry in the census record of London dated 1961. Other than that, I cannot say with certainty about anything regarding the statement. May the souls of the wicked and the poor alike rest in peace.